hey, what's happening with you? Oh. Really? I can't believe it. Well, you never know. That's the best way I can have a conversation with you without actually talking to you in person. We can kind of just play like that. Remember you used to do that on the, like, I think I used to do that. I had an answering machine when I was in high school, up in my room, my own private line, my own private landline. And I had an answering machine and I would do that where someone calls and then they think they're talking to somebody and then you trick them. It was a very mild-mannered prank, but one that I uh, really enjoyed doing from time to time. It was fun. It was a lot of fun, like the good old days. Good, clean, fun. Good, clean, fun. Not a speck of dirt in that fun. That fun is HEPA filter improved, approved, and improved. Improved fun. It's good to have fun. It's a lot of fun to um, to be doing this right now with you all. And um, just been really kind of stoked here with stoked. Been using stoked a lot. Is that okay? Is that all right to use stoked? I hope so. Tell me if you don't think it's good to use stoked. But it's cool. I mean, like, if you think about it, it's winter here. It's starting to be cold, and you know, for Tucson. It's chilly. And, um, I mean, it rivals back east at times when I'm, you know, grew up in you know, 30-degree mornings and stuff. But, um, you know, you're stoking the fire. So, you know, I'm stoked. It's like I'm, I'm all ready to go. I'm ready. I'm stoking the inner fun. I am stoking my inner laughter. So that's not too bad. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Jonas Osterley, the fellow that I'm speaking with today, best known to many as the drummer for the Philadelphia rock legends, The Teeth. In my humble opinion, one of the best bands ever. I love them. I still do. The guys are great. I've known them for a long time. We used to play together in Philadelphia with my uh, old band and traffic jam and also in Tucson once uh, they started touring a lot more we would uh, we play shows out here they are so so good so if you've never heard of them I really really hope that you become a super fan from this show and get some samples of their music and, and go out and hunt down their music buy it all and if you are a super fan then I think you're going to learn some stuff that maybe you didn't know before either way it's a win-win situation Everybody wins. There ain't no uh, win-loser draw here. It's just, it's pure joy and wonder that's coming out from this show. Jonas is a sweet, sweet man. He's really great. And I think you're going to learn some fun stuff about him. And um, I know you're going to learn some fun stuff. Because I know. I'm positive. Uh, so yeah, really just uh, sit back, snuggle in, get a warm cup of joe, and chug it. And get ready. Here we go. 
recording sure. and you know just because it's recording it doesn't mean that uh that there's like um you know it's a good thing that we're not live it's a good thing right. that we're not like you know right uh i won't even say so, millions of people i'll just say hundreds of people if there was hundreds of people right now listening yeah. like live that's harder something about it's, knowing it's a whole it's a whole pressure yeah, there's a lot of right. pressure there. There's a lot of pressure, and we don't need that pressure. There's already too much pressure out there in the world. So just exactly. minim minimizing any pressure that we uh, we can we can do is is nice. Yeah, darn right. And um, making it relaxed and just uh, like a chill a chill zone to be in, and uh, and, and living in that space right now because you know people are uh, people are pretty high strung right now, and. Uh, and that's not fun. That's not fun no. when people get high strung. You know, it is not fun. That They're is gonna, correct. They can snap. It's like you do a, band, a rubber band or a, you know a guitar string. It's just going to snap, and it hurts. Right. It there's hurts. only so much tension. Yes. you can take. <laughs> yeah, there's only so much. It's just like you know the. It's like the world just needs a big massage hands just to come down and just start to, just you know, goo it up and make it all smushy again yeah that sounds great <laughs> just get into the play-doh the uh clay you know if, if we are made of clay like gods they say then uh we need his hands to give us some molding again because we've we've hardened up too much mm. you know i'm playing with my daughter now she's almost three and we we're playing with play-doh and you gotta like wet it you gotta get uh. it wet you gotta like you gotta like get it all uh gushy again to so it really has some uh malleability and I feel like uh, we as a people really need that. Yeah, I hear that. I think I, I need it myself. <laughs> I remind myself of that uh, fairly often, you know. Just yeah. Be, be a little bit more uh, flexible. Yeah, just fl flexibility. Gumby and Stretch Armstrong and, um, and Play-Doh, you know. And this is not to say this is like I'm not talking – christian god i'm just saying any god it could be any or anything you even believe in if, if there's not a god <laughs> just big hands cosmic hands coming down <laughs> yeah yeah oh gosh dude so um i haven't i realized i haven't seen you in um in a while i haven't seen you probably oh my god when was the last time i saw you 2010 it was february of 2010 really yeah, we. Uh, I came through with uh, Brian and Peter when we were playing um, with Alec Ownsworth. Dude, oh my uh, gosh! In, in in not in clap your hands, say yeah, but in like a side project of his. We went yes. through uh, Tucson and we hung yeah. out with you. I remember you guys stayed here at the house and um, played Solar Culture, which is yes, correct. love it. That's like one yeah. of my favorite venues anywhere. And um, it was oh my great. gosh! And Tucson I... is one of my favorite cities yeah man always has been wow wow was that just um was it like the first time you came out coming here to tour is that your first exposure yeah. to it yep 2005 with the teeth was the first time i was actually the first time i was anywhere off the east coast of the united states whoa um so it was my first experience with all the cities we went to which were most of them whoa. um and tucson was a, a top three if not number one Oh my gosh! What yeah. made it? What made it so? Uh, what made it so good? Like in your memory of? Well, you were there, and you you took there care we of go. us. I'll just I think I every can take time. The <laughs> yeah. Um, and there was a small there was a small Philly expat community was already there. Yeah. Um, and so there were other people besides just you and your housemates that were like, uh, I don't know, just of like mind. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, it's just, it's the, it's the best small city, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, I like the, it's, it's low to the ground, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just feels very accessible. I remember one of the times that I was out there, I rented a bike for $5 for the day and I just rode around town and that's not, I don't feel like that's available. Even in 2005, that wasn't something that was like available everywhere. I bet you rented it from Bikus. It was that like, sounds familiar. You yeah, go down the ramp and there's go this. Go down. Yep. yep. Yeah. And that building. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Because they have the bike rentals. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's like homemade bikes. So it's like these rentals. It's not this like fancy, uh, you know, bike shops and stuff. It's that... incredible. It's literally the amount that I wanted to spend on a bike yeah. that day as a very <laughs> broke touring musician. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They made it accessible for you. Oh, that's so cool to hear. You know, it's nice to like uh, just be reminded of, you know, the, the, beauty and magic of this place and uh you know seeing it through eyes of friends that would come out and stuff like yeah. that and uh you know i do remember you coming out quite a bit and you know always just having a great time and it's just this era of like those um those years that it was just great you know seeing yep. seeing a lot more people i've actually missed people come out we have folks come out hmm. but um i don't know not as many touring musicians or people you know i think stuff just uh you know eras change and uh yeah you know, in that way, but well, um, yeah, yeah, we're we're uh, we're 15 years older now. Yes, 10 to 15 years older than we were 10 to 15 years ago, and uh, <laughs> you know, our friends are either in in uh, bigger touring acts or they're not touring anymore, right? It's exactly for the most part, right? Except for me, I'm still at it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'd love to hear about what you've been up to, and maybe, um, mm, I'll maybe before this, I kind of like starting with just a little bit of a, uh. A little history on like who you are you know like where uh -huh. you're from so anything that you feel like you just want to share as far as like what are the uh what are the highlights <laughs> sure um well i don't know about highlights but uh I, <laughs> could be could be low lights too <laughs> the uh the mediocre backstory uh is that i come from kennett square pennsylvania um grew up there went to kennett high school um next door to the uh the raccoon people who grew up in like a West Grove Avondale area, I believe. I had no idea you yeah. were from Kennett. Yeah. Yeah. I did. That's the mushroom capital of the world for Correct. people that, that don't know. We talked a little bit about that in the raccoon episode with Andrew nice. and Rory, but um, I don't know why I didn't know that you weren't from, you were from there. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's, it makes sense that you wouldn't know because the rest of the teeth were from the other side the Bethlehem area. Right. Um, right. So it was just kind of, Kind of random, and I didn't know the raccoon people well, but I did know them. You did before I knew the Teeth folks. Oh, wow! Um, Interesting. And I, I was already a fan of their band as well. Um, yeah. But I wasn't like part of that social group really. So. Wow. Um, it was sort of random that I ended up joining the Teeth with a minor connection already to that crew, and so, just, you know. Wow, that's footnote that's, of history. That is a good footnote, man. I just did yeah. not know. I did not know that. Um. Yeah, that's really neat. Were you playing music back then, like in other bands at the time? Yeah, Kennett Square. Yeah, always, always high school bands. Um, just like uh, you know, probably like most of our friends. Yeah, played in a couple bands in high school with my best buddies. Um, yeah, and yeah, what, and in what, college a little bit too. What were the any names that you remember of some of those bands or? Uh, Three Can Sam was <laughs> not my first band, but the band that uh, we tried to do the most with. Yes. Um, that actually, you know, played a bunch of American Legion. 
um, type shows, which is also where I first saw Raccoon at the uh, the VFW in Kennett Square. Oh, dude. Wow. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe 98, 99, something like that. I, I don't really know. Uh, could even have been later than that. But yeah. Um, yeah. But Three that, Can Sam was the high school band. Yeah. Three Can Sam. <laughs> was, it a, was it a trio? It was. It was a trio. Yeah. Perfect. For, yeah. Great. It has to be if it's Three Can. <laughs> yeah. Three... <laughs> Started as a duo, which doesn't make sense. So, uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I was I'll... the third can. You're the third can there. <laughs> Be part of the recipe. <laughs> um, and so you guys would play a bit. Did you record anything at the time? Yes. Um, yeah, we, we put out two records, but uh, put out, you know, very subjective, especially in those days. Yes. Um, somebody, I bet, has them on a hard drive. So I, I think they're out, so uh, to speak. You see, this um, is this is where I get really... Kinda, I really get excited about like these early, the first formations, you know, when I'm talking to folks here, it's like the, mm. what's the first thing and like, where is, and it's this, it's the rarity. It's like somebody saved it. It's on a hard drive. It's on a cassette. It's something and it's, but it's out there. Yeah. So, so, you know, really just want to say happy hunting for people. You got to find it. And, uh, and then also there's the hope that it's going to surface, you know, to, uh, to the internet at some point, you know, where Heck it can yeah. come out. Yes. <laughs> sure there's all sorts of good stuff on there that I forgot about. Yeah. Yeah. And you and you were uh were you drumming in all these bands? Was this this is your yes. main instrument? Yeah. yeah. What got you what got you into drumming if we even backtrack a little from there? Like Yeah, another sort of random story is that um when I was in middle school my uh sister started playing the drums. Uh she's a couple years younger than me, but right around the time I was failing to learn guitar, yeah. she took up the drums. And uh, having quickly failed guitar, I kind of was just bang around on her drums just because they were in the house. Yeah. Um, and, and drums are an instrument that uh, it's just easier to start. Mm. Um, if you know what I mean, you can kind of just sit down and already play something on your first try. Yeah. Something, you know. Yes. Um, so, yeah. The... So that, that just became the thing that I was able to do. And then, um, you know, without intending to take it seriously, I started playing with my friends um so and that's the awesome rest is history the rest is history indeed what was uh was your sister playing was she uh was she like a rocker or was she doing like jazz drums she actually played the snare drum in the school band and yeah. um but she played the full kid at home and she never she never joined bands or anything like that she kind of she kind of abandoned it um not too long after i got into it so you know i probably crushed her dreams um <laughs> But she just she just went a different way. She wasn't uh, a music kid, really. It was just um, something she did for a while. Yeah. And uh, she was she was pretty good at it, but it just wasn't the path, you know, where I was hanging out with the uh, the stoner kids playing weird yes. rock and roll music. Yeah. She so just what didn't have that crowd? So <laughs> what was um yeah the stoner rockers? You gotta yeah. you gotta get uh, hang around them to really like get rubbed off on get a a contact song yeah. off of them. Um, what uh what was some of the stuff you were listening to then what was like the your face oh man uh well nothing that's not embarrassing um, dude you know everything here i mean can sure. we can just we yeah no one's gonna judge you no one will judge you for these old i uh i don't believe you but i'm gonna blast <laughs> forward anyway uh, in high school i was a big fan of the red hot chili peppers 
Okay, that was my, I, that was my band. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna just stop you right there for a second, not to be embarrassed, because mm-hmm. one of my buddies who was on one of the shows, Jason Malici, um, loved the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the early days, and so we had a we had a nice conversation about that, you know, because I I wasn't so much into them. I know a lot of mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends that were, but like the. Uh, you know these like early, especially the early albums. I don't know what you're thinking, yeah. and I, I don't want to offend you if you like their new stuff. I don't, I'm not a big fan of their new stuff. The, nah. but, but early stuff I can dig, man. And uh, it, it's, you know, we just talked about how like Flea. I mean, just Flea as far as like, his punk rock credibility and what he was bringing in is uh, absolutely good yeah. enough. So you know, I just so there we go. I just want to put your mind at ease that that is. Thank you. Yes, I, I would say the early stuff kind of halfway holds up. I, yeah. I've done a recently I did like a dive back into it after many years, just like not paying any attention. Yeah. Um, and going through the old stuff, I would say there's some stuff where I'm like, yeah, I, I see they were already heading in sort of a douchebag direction, <laughs> which is that's that's too strong. That's not even. But double whatever. D, double D. <laughs> <laughs> but there's other stuff that I do think kind of kind of holds up where I'm like, oh, yeah, I connected with this music for a reason. Yes. Um, yes yeah so that that was my that was my band you know back then people had favorite bands yeah and uh and that was mine um from the chili peppers i would say i got into a lot of funk music yes that they were influenced by so yeah. that was my entry point into parliament funkadelic Dude. sly and the family stone uh james brown the meters so those are the bands that yep. i was listening to at the time that are not embarrassing no, no, not yeah. at all. The, and uh, and really understanding, you know, I can see from a drummer's perspective too. I mean, that's like fun stuff to play. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. That is the that is really good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the the meters too. I got turned on to them years ago, and um, oh, wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like something else. I remember when I heard it in high school, and I was like, oh, there's music like this. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's. it's I, I was just uh, I was working on Sissy Strut just the other day like one of the most uh you know one of the most classic songs to be called out in a jam session and i'm like you know what i still don't actually know how to play it right yes so uh it's a, it's canon the meters for sure yeah that is good that is good stuff um and so you were like so when you start playing with like three can sam and and get into that what uh what are some of the other guys bring in and to the mix was there like I'm, I'm assuming there was also like you know a mixture of of other uh, uh influences Oh yes, um, those guys were really into the band Ween from the, mm. from New Hope. Remember them? Oh yeah, um, man, yeah. But mostly because I was just talking to one of those guys the other day about how he he didn't feel like it really holds up. But um, Ween, but, uh, like yeah. Ween doesn't hold. Oh, interesting. Or maybe I think he might have said some of it. Maybe just yeah. the way I feel about the Chili Peppers. But um, yeah, yeah, for different reasons. But yeah. we we like we loved Ween because there was a musicality to it. But also we just loved them because they were weird uh doofuses who like to get high yeah and they had a very sophomoric but random sense of humor that like uh you know it it really um it hits when you're literally a sophomore you know there's works yeah it does it's um it's fun it's funny i had friends that you know in our music circle that were definitely into them and i i never like breached it but i was always into it when i heard it you know it's just not something i would like put on and then uh it just kind of like knowing, you know, the connection to New Hope and a lot of people I know from that area. And um, I think now, I mean, I, I don't know if they're back together. They might have gotten back together. I think they did like 
on and off or something over the years. There was something within the last two years. Yeah. Some sort of reunion that may not have gone well. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, weird. Those yeah. guys are both still like in <laughs> the area. And so I actually like hear updates filter it, through the, the actual grapevine of people. Is it true? I heard one one that uh, I don't know which one of it was Dean or uh, what is it? It's, who is it? It's Dean and... Dean and Gene are Dean their uh, fake names, but I don't remember their real names. So. Well, one of the Ween Ween guys uh, will like for a certain amount of money will like would take you out on a boat and like yes. sing to you. So that's Dean it? Ween. He takes you fishing. I don't know okay. if he sings, but it's a it's great that you know that because my friend Nat from Three Can Sam uh, did that. He did the fishing trip with him. He did um, maybe about ten years ago. So as an adult, he actually went fishing. <laughs> with Dean Ween. And if I remember correctly, he actually got a freezer full of fish from the ocean. Dude. So, I mean, that's what a, <laughs> I mean, why become an adult if you can't live out those types of dreams? It's, exactly. It's, it's, it's still an amazing world in a lot of ways, you know, it is, it is. And that's just so nice to know that they're doing that, that stuff, you know, exactly. Yep. Like, uh, that makes me like him even more. Um, so you guys, you know, back then you go out and play, you recorded and, uh, and like how far did for three can Sam, did it get at that point? Was it like, um, I don't know, how many years do you think you were active? Yeah, about four years or so, four or five years. Cause we, we played into my college, into my time at college. Um, where, where was college at for so you? So I went to Temple university. Oh, got it. Um, and, uh, those other two guys didn't, they were still basically in the Kennett Square area when I was in college. Yeah. But we kept playing into college a little bit. We put out our uh, second record mm. when I was maybe a sophomore or something in college. What was that um, called? What was the what was the sophomore Second called? record was called Local Politics Featuring Goats. <laughs> so there's a... Oh. We, we fashioned ourselves uh, vaguely political. But we, yeah. had, we had a very local flavor of yes. politics and it was mainly based on um juvenile frustration <laughs> yeah yeah was, <laughs> we thought it was a little bit more politically advanced than that yes 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 that's good that is good I, i'm sure it was <laughs> it was um, i hope so not just taking it to juvie yeah. um <laughs> and then so you guys are there you're in you're in the city and then uh and then what happens? What happens there as far as... Uh, what, what were you in school for? Uh, I went to school for political science. But, there you um, go. There's the political I, side. Yeah. Yeah, I got my, um, what do you call it? Bachelor's degree in political science. I didn't decide on that till a little bit later in college. It was just like, um, I didn't really have a path, a career yeah. path. And I was in college and I needed a major. Yes. And I got into those classes. So I did actually enjoy it and... Um, take the learning thing sort of seriously yeah but um yeah so while i was in college i was still playing in bands still playing with three can sam um played with some other folks in college just you know keeping it going um playing some shows here and there but nothing big yeah um but just was just drumming um a lot it was still it was my favorite thing to do but it wasn't my um i didn't think it was necessarily my path not the um, path but, but I didn't have one. And then it was right at the very end of my time at college where I met the teeth and then joined the teeth. So at that point, you know, um, that was, what year was that? Um, I joined the teeth in 2004 and, um, 
I probably had met them in '02 or '03, and they were already you, a band. You met uh, them in, in 2004. In That's so crazy, man. Because I remember, you know, so we were we were playing with them, the, my band, the Bradford Trojan Traffic Jam and Raccoon. Traffic Jam. And yeah. but I, so you were not in the band any of the shows we were playing at 2000. Um, Wait, hold on a it's second. It's very possible that it's possible that you played shows before me. Possible that we played shows after me. There was so with my, Brian. It was who was it? Brian was the first drummer in the Teeth, or was it Brian? Not Brian. Uh, um, Chris. Chris. Chris Giordani. Yes. He was not actually the first, but it, it doesn't matter. You know, the, okay. the first guy was like uh, short-lived and yes. uh, not important. You know, he's not maybe, even. We can't even talk about him right now because at least he's, he's not so... important in my story. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he's not yeah. in this. He ain't in this show. Not in. <laughs> Chris Giordani was the one for about four years. He was the drummer in the Teeth, and so when when they started making a mark in Philadelphia, yeah, um, he was still in the band, and I became aware of the Teeth in maybe late 2002 or something like that. Wow. In fact, it was a show at the East End Cafe in Newark, Delaware, with Raccoon, The Teeth, and probably The Capital Years um, is the first time that I saw The Teeth. Oh, wow. Um, already being a fan of Raccoon. Okay, and that's and, where you learned about The Teeth. Yes. Oh, wow, interesting. And uh, me and a bunch of my uh, friends were like, oh, people play music like that locally. That's we, very interesting. Yeah, but, right. Because there was, you know, we were uh, talking to at the time how there was kind of like, I don't know how this was in, in your, just because you are from that area, there was like these these labels like Jade Tree Records, Creep Records that had their own thing happening. Yeah. And then there was kind of this other stuff that sprang out from there. I mean, Raccoon wasn't like, they didn't fit the bill for any right. of that. And then the teeth either. It's like this total like different world. Yeah. Um, coming out and so well the east end was awesome i mean god that place i love that venue it's legendary super rad yeah just a lot of good memories there playing mm -hmm. and seeing shows um and, and so would you you were just going there hanging out seeing seeing them uh and the teeth and when what happened so like as far as your involvement how did you get to meet them and stuff is it like uh um, I, I think I met them because me and a college friend like put together a compilation CD of bands that went to Temple University, which was oh. um, a pretty meaningless project. But uh, <laughs> that's when I reached out to them. I had seen them a bunch of times, but um, I wasn't uh, I wasn't a friend. But that's yeah. when I first reached out to them and then kind of like chatted with them at a show about that. Um, so that's kind of how I knew who they were. Um, I, I kind of think that they didn't really even remember that when I joined the band because I kind of referenced it and I got one of those like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I was completely <laughs> new to them, honestly. Okay. When I met them to kind of like try out for the band. Wow. The tryout. So they, they're, uh, yeah, Chris Giordani quit sometime like in the beginning of 2004. Um, it was known that the teeth needed you, a drummer. Are you? I, 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 this is crazy. I know you'd yeah. know best, but are, I can't. It's so weird just because I know that I left 2003 to move to mm -hmm. Tucson. But I guess all the times that then I was meeting you were all out here or like me coming back or just you guys coming out here. That, that Right? That was yeah, it. It's, it's, it's likely that I met you back here in the same sort of capacity where our paths cross. Uh, we might have introduced or something, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really know you as well as the rest of the guys. 
okay. to say the least. So yeah. yeah, when I came out there in 2005 is the first time that I really got to know you. I'm experiencing like a bit of a brain wipe because I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that uh, that's it. But now it, it just makes sense. So it's, yeah. And then anytime I'm, you know what? I realized too, any like times I was, I was visiting more often um, those years after I moved out here, the first few mm -hmm. years and even doing some like, you know, theater stuff. So it was like, I'd probably come and see you guys playing in Philly. And then it was just like, you know, I remember you being around a fair amount. Like, that was, so. that was it. That must've been it. Um, okay. So you, so back to, uh, you're trying out and like meeting them. And what was that like? Was that like, uh, you know, I just, you have these visions of, you know, the, the big bands, it's like I'm having a tryout and we're having right, right. The, the drummers come in. It seems kind of, uh, that seemed to me like it would be stressful having an audition. Yeah, I was nervous, but, you know, I guess the good kind of nervous. Um, you, you also know your chops, man. I mean, you uh, know, you've been playing for a long time. I mean, looking back on it, I've now I look at myself then and I was like, I wasn't very good at all. But, you know, at the time I had some level of confidence, I guess. I don't know. Um, yes. I so Andrew you Jones, you're allowed to you're, you're allowed to say you crushed it, too. I'm fine. <laughs> like we, there's. Some things I, I want. Yeah, some things, <laughs> some things I crush and some things crush me. So, uh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. But the, <laughs> yeah, Andrew was managing the teeth at the time. Right. right. And so Andrew did know me personally. He knew who I was when I reached out to the band. Um, yeah. And actually, so the, the, uh, the full version of the story is that I reached out to the band, like I was a month away from graduation or so. And I reached out to say like, Hey, I would love to play with you guys at least like this summer. And like, I would love to fill in for now because like you, you're my favorite local band. Um, I know you need a drummer. I don't know if I want to commit long-term and I know that you guys are very serious um, and are probably going to like make records and go on the road and stuff. And I just, I don't know what my life is like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and it's hard to even remember that headspace, but I do remember that that was my original um, proposal. And I yes. just didn't, yes. I just didn't hear back from them. And yeah. <laughs> knowing, uh, knowing Andrew, I, I kind of got the sense that I would hear back from them. And I yeah. know that he, he put in a good word for me. He had seen me play and he was like, this guy, you know, he can play drums, I guess. And, yeah. uh, so not hearing back from them, I kind of just discerned what was going on in their minds. And <laughs> I had my own mental thing happening. And the, the end result was that I wrote a follow-up email about a week later saying like, Hey, actually, if you want me to join the band, like I'll just join the band for real. Yes. Um, and I heard back from them almost right away. So I was that's, correct. That's what they wanted. They wanted yeah. the full committed relationship. They wanted yeah. you to pledge your allegiance to the teeth. Yeah. And, and when you know, those guys, <laughs> you know, you, you wouldn't be surprised to hear that. So yes. they, they, they need a full commitment yes um for that so it was a you know it was a life commitment spill some um, blood and uh <laughs> yeah give give your dna away yeah <laughs> so, actually sounds kind of yeah a little uh per perverse there so i'll, I'll retract the, the dna dna section, is but... a perfectly apt uh <laughs> you know thing to say it's a because it, it became part of your identity right yeah. like like yeah. you are now a member of a band and uh it was something that I really loved about playing in the band early on that uh, that origin story, notwithstanding, is that 
you know, it was all in. And that's something mm-hmm. that I wished I had had previous to that. I, like I usually pushed harder than my bandmates to yeah. sort of be more professional and try to take steps, you know, not to get signed or anything, but just like, Hey, let's try to play shows for real or like, let's make a record or make some t-shirts or like, let's do some of the things that bands do, you know, instead of just like goofing around and uh, smoking yep. pot. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. um, which I did plenty of not, not to throw anyone else under sure. the bus for sure. But, yeah, but um, if you could do with, both at once, that's, that's good. Right. <laughs> but with the teeth, it was, it was always like, you know, band comes first, like whatever else you're doing, it has to, you know, band has to come first. Nobody can have a job where you have to say no to a show because you have a job yeah you know shows yep. just get shows get accepted or rejected by andrew jones the manager yeah and and you play that and i liked that approach yeah um, so dude yeah. and ha- and having andrew on your team and having a manager i mean that's like you know Absolutely. he's he knows his uh his stuff and it was uh, a dream it was yeah, a step I'm, to have somebody managing the band that's not in the band was uh, a pretty yeah. big step yeah, and and also like a lawyer, nonetheless. I I think he was. Yeah. I think he had passed his bar at the point there. It was right around yeah. that time. Yeah. yeah so de- I'm not definitely sure like. Was. Yep. Wow. And uh, that's. I mean, that's awesome. So you get the news, you're in, and uh, that must have been great. Did you have? Did you have to? Where were they like rehearsing at the time? Were they in Philly or were they still kind of out in Bethlehem or was it? No, they were all in Philly. They they were in Philly. Um, since probably like 2000, 2001, they were mainly in Philly because yes. uh, the, two of the guys went to Temple with me and uh, one of the guys went to Drexel. But they were fully in Philly during that time. We actually rehearsed at um, in my basement yes. on, um, right off Temple campus yeah. for the first month or so. That was our, oh. that was our spot. So the, the tryout was held at my house, actually. So you were living there because I remember um, oh, so just also to say that the members who were talking, Aaron and Peter Mo Davis brothers right. and uh, Brian Ashby. Yeah. And um, so those guys, I remember Brian, um, Peter and Brian's apartment. They had forever mm. that uh, the cellar, the cellar. Yes. Dwellers, in they... Rittenhouse Square. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, you don't want to use superlatives too much, but that place was legendary. Yeah. <laughs> It, it really was it, it's also just the idea of having that kind of like strange dingy bachelor pad but it being in rittenhouse square yeah like on tw- like at 21st and locust are you kidding me yeah weird it's so crazy it's something that, that i don't think can happen nowadays no um, I, I that was a special moment in time absolutely um, and so that was actually our headquarters um, okay we just couldn't rehearse there right so yeah. after i left temple we had to um we had to get a practice space like bands do yeah but, um if, if we had a home base it was always uh that spot at 21st and locust that was teeth headquarters there yeah yep. I, I definitely vi- I remember visiting there quite a bit for like either say hi or it might have even been like flyer drop-offs or whatever you know whatever just yeah stuff, yeah, yeah kind of cigarette smoking was allowed and <laughs> ashtrays were optional Oh my gosh, dude! Total bachelors. <laughs> Absolutely, it was amazing. I I slept there many many times. Yes, uh, it was it was a big part of um, my life at that time as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you're in at this point, and and what was it like? Because you know you're. It's also pretty cool. You know you're you're moving into an established band at this at this juncture, yeah. and um. You know what? What's your memory of that period when you're just like, okay, we're off and running here. You know, they're they're already like 
the the uh the band is in in movement here and it's like it's got steam behind it so what was uh what was that like just like for shows or you know anything you remember at the time even like first tour yeah uh it was probably 80 percent glorious Ooh, 80% is uh, pretty good. That, that's a that's passing. Would, that's a yeah. good average grade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a strong endorsement. I'm just trying to add a dose of realism. That's um, important too. Yeah, we don't want to. We can't just glamorize and be like, oh, it was you know, puppy yeah. tails and rainbows and you know, squirrel nuts. No, there's always existential anxiety, and uh, I, I kind of have to think hard to remember what mine was at the time. But it's it was there. I, <laughs> I yeah. can access that. Um, so the first show that I played was in Reading and that kind of felt like a warm up show. It was just a little bit lower pressure. Um, where so was, the, where was that at in Reading? I want to say like the Brass Monkey. Was that a place? Something that's like a, that. That's Brass a, Lantern. Yeah, man. I, I think we played there once and I think you're right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so. it, it yeah. Was, we were opening the show for someone else, and, and so it was just a, it, it was a nice way, actually, to get my feet wet. Some of my yeah. friends came up, and Andrew was there, so there was a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Um, but my first big show, what I really was nervous and excited about was we did it, played... Did Andrew, did Andrew say, uh, after he said, dude, you got the goods? He said something like that. All right, great. <laughs> you, you know he did, because you know the rest of the band was being weird and squirrely, as they yes. as they did. So Andrew's yeah, exactly. smarter. He's, he's got the emotional intelligence yes. to know what the situation requires. <laughs> He'll translate all feelings, unmet un, un, un feelings from everybody into exactly. ver words, verbiage. Yeah. Um, okay, exactly. sorry. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I also remember he did. He even said he was like, I remember when, when you started this one song, it was just a tiny bit off. And I was like, oh, no. But then you nailed everything else. <laughs> so he like slipped in this one thing where it's like, you know, like we are paying attention. Like we're not we're not just uh, going to hand yeah. this to you. Yes. Yes. But you but uh, but uh, yeah, ever so slight and was mostly was was very, um, you know, said very welcoming, said all the right things and yeah. made me feel like um, like it was my job. Yes, but uh, but then we played the the Raccoon reunion show at the North Star Bar. Um, oh yeah, and, which I, I guess was the final Raccoon show. Uh, maybe it was more the final show than the reunion. I don't know, but it was like a big deal that would have been on my calendar before I even joined the Teeth. Yes, so to join and in, in order to play that show was huge, and you know, played in front of a ton of people at the North Star. Yeah, um, who were like big fans of the Teeth, so that was like. You know, this the pressure's on, and in my memory, I crushed that one. So nice. That's that's where yes. I was like, I think I played pretty well. And then all my friends that were big fans of the Teeth were like, Yeah, you played pretty well. Like, yeah, um, you're you're definitely gonna be playing in that band from now on. That's so good, man. It and this it, was there a contention or was there anyone that was like, Oh man, you're not uh, Chris you know or like you're uh... i'm sure there was but i never really heard it yeah and then i'm sure you won people over at that point in time yeah. it was just uh you know just I, I think once once you know it was 2004 so the internet was not what it is today yeah but as we gained popularity you, you'd find randos in the comments sections sometimes saying stuff like that okay um, yeah you know and it's sort of a it's sort of a mark of success when mm -hmm. you have to kind of learn to brush that stuff off 
Yeah. So you're, you know, I was able to look at it as one of those good problems. Yeah. I like that. I think, I think you're totally right on that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So you guys, you started playing there. You're just like, you're in now. And, uh, what was it? What was also the memory of like who you were playing with during the the Philly era? You know, some of those the bands there because that was also when is it, this is kind of before Doctor Dog's beginnings too. And I mean, they were already playing, but then once they like right, you know, it was basically up. at Doctor Dog's beginnings. Yeah, is, that's a cool thing. So playing the final Raccoon show was sort of marking a transition for those guys, or for Scott and Toby, I should say, into Doctor Dog. Yeah. Um, and, and Andrew, I forgot, was was uh, right. in Dr. Dog for a while. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so I was, so definitely it was Dr. Dog pretty quickly. Um, the, the capital years were around. Yeah. Um, they were, uh, yeah, they were pretty big in Philly at the time. So we played a bunch of shows with them. Yeah. Um, socially, they were good friends as well. Yeah, I like um, those guys a lot, you know. I, I remember, like, seeing them in... Uh... I, I remember when I first like saw them and I was kind of like, who are these guys? They seem a little like, I don't know. It just seemed a little like I got a weird vibe. And then, mm. uh, but that was just watching them. And then when I got to know them and I played a little with them, I was like, these guys are great. Yeah. They're like, really nice uh, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean like so nice. And yeah. So I'm definitely, yeah. Big fans of them. And yeah, um, <clears throat> actually they're, they're some of the people from that time period that I've, totally lost touch with and i'm not really sure where they are but maybe even as recently as like five or six years ago i was still seeing some of those guys around we're gonna have to dig them up i'm gonna f find them track exactly. them down and get them on um um yeah so capital years for sure um yeah who else at that time period um i was already friends with the spinto band actually Dude. there was a, a spinto band three can sam connection Ah. Um, from the old days where we had the Spinto band play our record release party in, I want to say 2001. Oh. Um, and, but the Spinto band was a, was a teeth comrade band for sure. Yeah. Um, great band. Yeah. Great band. I got turned on to them a little later and it's just, uh, whew, yeah. People, Absolutely. We got to check yeah. them out. That's still friends. And uh, I'm still in pretty close touch with Nick for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Very active, very active, uh, musician um namely a recording guy nick krill nick krill oh yeah mm -hmm. and they're and they're um are they still playing a spinto band or is it no well i want to say no but even about two to three years ago they did some shows okay and so i don't know if those were reunion shows or what but mostly no uh nick transitioned to a project called teen men That's um, right. which he yeah. did with one of the guys um from the i, I guess joey hobson from the spinto band Okay. Team men together. Okay. Uh, that was the most recent project, and um, I love that name too. It's like awesome. It takes Manchild yeah. a step further. To... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there will be more Teen Men stuff coming up. So I think that's the most recent recent musical thread. Yeah. Um, from Nick Krill, and then Tom Hughes still plays in uh, uh, under the name Carol Cleveland Sings, nice. which uh, I believe is just a project with him and his wife uh, Gretchen Losey. Oh, okay. Now I know who. You're... Okay, now I got it. So that's yeah. another thing to uh, to dig into. Yeah, Whew, a lot of digging here. Mm -hmm. This is great, and just getting people to know about some of the stuff that weren't there, you know, and um, at the times. So, so when uh, at this point, like, did you? Well, I want to talk about what was your first tour because I know it was a big yep. part of the teeth that and and getting yeah. into that. So what what was 
Do you remember that? Um, I, I we right after I joined the band after the Raccoon reunion show, we went to North Carolina for a four show run. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm that was like my first experience of the lifestyle of like you know sleeping on a stranger's floor and like those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll skip past that um, to our first tour tour was in the summer of 2005. Okay. So we put out a record. We recorded a record almost immediately after I joined the band. That was uh, Carry the Wood. Carry the Wood. You know what? This will be a great time to... Let's listen to something off that. Hell yeah. <laughs> I almost I said just... hell. Oh, we couldn't have had that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to do this one. Let's see if I can get this queued up. So yeah, this... Uh, sorry, this was 2005, right? Uh, came out 2004. 2004. We, we put it out on Halloween 2004. Here we go. 2004 Halloween. sampler of that that is um damn again this fade outs in the way it's hard to get the fade out just perfect little nugget there uh, that's pretty good that's pretty good that's pretty good um that that's i think might be my favorite teeth song um <laughs> that's a good pick yeah sure. that that one's a, a lot of fun um I think I even I know I played a couple times live with you guys doing that song. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was like I think I, so. Uh, I might have just forced my way on, or maybe they invited me. They're like, "Come on, you love this. Come up and play." But I, I was just like always trying to push to get on <laughs> Bessie somehow. Just <laughs> that was the one we played together. Yeah. Did you play on any other stuff on that show? I no. I think that was it. That's the one I just I locked in, and then was like, you know, yeah, go for it there. Hey, that was um, a classic moment. So good. Oh my god. I love it. Um it's, where was it, where was that one recorded at? We recorded that in a garage basement in Westchester. Wow. Um it was a house where the members of the band Miniband lived. Another yes. old school Philly reference. Yes. Uh Miniband was composed of people that I grew up with and went to high school with. So that was a Kenneth Square band. And who were those um, people? Good people. I like these people. Uh, absolutely. Shelly Salomon. Yes. Uh, Mike Bradley was the main songwriter. And uh, Chris Harn was the drummer. Yes. Shelly played bass. Uh, and those were some of my best buds. Oh. And I was mainly staying there in that garage basement, like sleeping on a, on a couch in the garage basement where the teeth recorded uh, Carry the Wood. Oh man, that was yeah. so you. They were in Philly, so you were living. You weren't living in Philly. You I had been. Up. I was a uh, what I call houseless. Yes. At that time, where I I just floated for about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, I was working in Philly, and we uh, 
we actually we practiced out there in Westchester for a while. So I was just around. I was I was living my vagabond life nice. at that time. And um yeah, I would stay out there most of the time. Yeah. And uh and yeah, so we recorded in that um in that garage and you can I feel like the aesthetic of the garage is very distinct on that record. Of course, yes. I'm going to say that because I can place it yeah. in my mind. But you can hear at the beginning or end of, um, uh, I believe, the song Chop the Tree, you can hear the, um, the garage door closing. <laughs> that's, that's a noise that you can actually find. I bet you one person who's listening will go and uh, find that. Well, maybe you're going to find it right now. I'm going to just go to the beginning or end. Probably maybe. at the end. I mean, the beginning is incredible. That's the uh, the melodica. Oh, God, I love the melodica. Well, this is a great song, but we're just going to listen for the... Uh... <laughs> oh, Bessie again. Wait. There we go. Dude, that was right. it. I actually, of course, in my mind, it was like much more epic, and you could hear the sliding and everything. It's just like a quarter of a second. The trash can fell on the floor. It's so good. But that was the garage door of the Westchester. That um, that it's almost an album. I mean, gosh, what any what does an EP consist of? I've always I've been so curious this right. It's considered an EP, but I think it's a it's a short album that yeah. carry the wood it's fantastic um like all the teeth music that's just yeah my god so good um and and really good sound i'm actually impressed i i don't know why i thought you guys were in a studio for that one mm -hmm. but um it's yeah we recorded it on a uh, digital 16 track yeah so no daw in those days um so but it was digital straight to digital as we used to say yeah um <laughs> It, it was a very, it was a strange, like we just worked with what we had and, you know, it, it in some ways came out better because of the limitations, you know, that old Saul. I do, you know, there's a lot of overthinking that can happen recording and you want to get, yeah. you know, all that, the best of the best. But if you just, yeah, if you're just working the way what you have within your means, then, uh, you know, it's it's about the music. I, and I really think that's yeah. it. The music shows there how awesome the songs are, the playing and uh, yeah, it's it's so good. So so you did that, and that was really. Um, I know they had a couple things under their belt before that, but this did mark a shift in in my mind uh, too of yep. of Teeth writing and the band as as a whole, um, because it really took on this other shape. And uh, you know, I I definitely hear a lot of Kinks influence on here, and yeah, totally. that was. I, I remember the time I went over to Aaron's apartment when he was showed me. Uh, village green preservation society and that was mm -hmm. my first introduction to like this other world of music that i just like blew my oh, mind that's awesome yeah yeah and um and so really getting into this whole like vibe of uh of this this musical uh you know yeah genres there so that you guys recorded that and then it comes out what did it come out did you guys self-release it or was it on yeah, we, okay. we self-released that. Um, okay. I remember the show was on Halloween or the day before or whatever, oh. um, 2004. That's when it came out. And then we got picked up by Park the Van Records over the winter, so not long afterwards. Yeah. And they released it on their label after we had self-released it. Gotcha. 
And okay. of course, Dr. Dog has been signed to park the van, perhaps like over the summer or something. Yeah. And so we were the second signing oh. um, on Park the Van Records. Oh, that's rad. Number two. So that's kind of, uh, that was, was part of the shift. Obviously, having a label behind you is a huge step. Yeah. Um, they put it out for real, you know, put it out uh, digitally and did all the things that need to be done, had actual distribution. Yeah. And that's how, to get back to the, you had asked about tour, that's how we actually went on our first tour in 2005. So basically a year after we recorded the record, um, we kind of finally went on tour behind it. Nice. And um, we toured a ton that summer. We started with a three-week tour that was basically down to Texas and back. And then a couple weeks later, we went out on a five-week tour that actually circled the whole country. Wow. And that includes our, uh, our first Tucson stop that we talked about where was your was your first show do you remember where it was in tucson was it uh the hotel i'm usually pretty good at remembering these things so but no i'm not sure i want to say hotel congress because that place looms large in my memory but i can't say that i'm sure about that i think now that i'm remembering i think it might have been plush you know what? I think you're right. Yeah, because it was more of a club club, right? Yes, that was. Um, I, I think it was yeah. plush. You yeah. are right. Good call. That's true. Nice. Yeah. Oh we, God, I we remember. We played Hotel Congress a different time. Yeah, and we also yeah. played the sort of uh, Anarchist Collective one time. Yeah, Dry River. Dry River. Exactly. Dry River. Yeah. And then another one in Tucson was Shays. I remember us doing a Shays okay. Lounge show where it was like it, it's the it's a really. <laughs> really not a good setup for uh for live music but they've been doing it so long it was just saturday nights that's all they do and we were like you're like up in a row against a a window oh i remember just that all yeah. in a row <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh that one um, as a drummer i've played many times with my back to a storefront yeah i kind of like that yeah it's kind of cool you like you yeah. know how much is that drummer in the window? You can walk. By. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're you're kind of like pouring your heart out, and then you like turn around, and there's somebody just kind of gazing vaguely yeah. at you. Like, I get that. I guess that guy's doing something in there. <laughs> he's do, he's doing something in there. Some, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's drunk gawking, but um... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, what was that like doing like the full tour? You know, where it was was it the same kind of like yeah, we're sleeping on on floors, or was it a little up from there still? Oh, no, it was not up from there at all. It was probably down from there. <laughs> that was, that was, I want to, I'm going to go 90% glorious yeah, for that, yeah. that tour. Um, <laughs> because it was brutal, but in a way that, you know, is easy to romanticize. Yes. Um, and I found very romantic at that age, you know, I was, I don't know, 22, 23 or something. Yeah. We were just so broke and, um, <laughs> You know, so it was, yeah, it was sleeping on floors for sure. Yeah. I mean, for example, I remember like talking those guys into the idea of asking on stage for a place to stay, yeah. which, you know, bands have been doing that since time immemorial. Yes. Um, but I think there was a certain pride factor where those guys didn't really want to do that. And I was just like, dude, we have to do that because I don't <laughs> want to sleep upright in a seat in the minivan. Oh my God. Would you do that? You'd sleep in the minivan? We did Sometimes. it once or twice. That's that's oh, horrendous. That's You'd rather the... sleep on a tile floor than oh, God. sleeping in the minivan. Sit, so I remember sleep. one time oh. we they we did do that from the stage at Shuba's in Chicago, mm. and uh, some girl volunteered from the audience, but she thought we were joking. 
And I went up to her after the show and I was like, hey, about that place. And she's like, oh, I thought you were kidding. And I was like, no, we, we were not kidding. So anyway, can we come over? She's like, I guess. And we did. And that's I slept on her linoleum kitchen floor. She turned out to be very nice. Yeah. We very respectful. I thought you she's guys. Like, I guess, I guess that happens sometimes. That was just not a part of her world. She thought you go to shows at Shuba's and you watch bands. Right. You didn't and they know make that money you, uh, and they go sleep in a hotel. But like, nope. You, no, no. There's no, there's no interaction between the two. And it's like, no, we, we need to sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we need a place to just lay down. But so at the time, I, I would I would not care for that experience now. Um, but at the no. time, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And um, like I had mentioned earlier, I hadn't seen most of the country. Yeah. So that adds significantly to the romance. Like you can be you can be broke as hell. But yep. as long as you can put some food in your body, um, yes. I, I just found it very magical to be sort of driving out west. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Manifest destiny and all that. Obviously a problematic notion, but. Sure. Um, sure. You, <laughs> you can't help but think of that idea, you know, when you're heading west. I see. Yeah, I know it's true. I and mean, it's a big, you know, a whole nother, it's a whole nother world out here than yeah. the East coast. And so again, to see that for the first time, I mean, yeah, I, re I remember it blew my mind open just seeing this, this place out here. Yeah. And um, yeah. So when you're doing that tour or was there anything also places you remember that you really liked playing like good shows or any kind of, anything that got like kind of sketchy? <laughs> um, I, I, I guess there was no sketchiness as regards safety, but the staying with people, yeah, it got sketchy and it really frayed our nerves. So mm. the sketchiest it would got, and, and um, you know very well, but for people that don't know, uh, the Teeth were known as a very volatile band uh, emotionally. And yeah. that comes from the fact that we had two twin brothers yes. or the songwriting engine of the band. Yeah, and, and they would just go at each other's throats, um, and everyone, everyone that followed the band knew that it was like the angle that people wrote about too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when when we were staying with people and one of them didn't like it or all of us didn't like it, the situation, they would just take it out on each other in in the most brutal way, um, and that happened multiple times. You know, we'd, we'd be staying with people whose hearts were in the right place, but maybe maybe their roommate didn't like that we were there. Or, yeah. All these sort of like mildly horrific social situations that you can find yourself in. Um, that was the sketchy part of it, for sure. But places that I liked playing, uh, you know, that's when I fell in love with Tucson. Yeah. Um, also Portland. Um, yeah. It was a different town in 2005. Um, and I loved Portland as well. Those were the two towns that I really fell in love with. Yes. And we, we played at the Doug Fur in Portland, which is... Um, I mean, I hope it's surviving this because that's a legendary venue that um, at least up until COVID was still going strong, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, definitely a big hope is that these venues are going to make yeah. it work somehow. Um, we also played all these small shows that no one came to. And it was just a very sort of thrown together tour. Yeah. Um, and I say that with no disrespect for Chris Watson from Park the Van and Andrew Jones, who kind of put it together for us. They yeah. did an amazing job. It's just, you know, we didn't have a fan base and we weren't opening for someone. So yeah. those kind of patchwork tours are just, um, you know, you might play three shows in a row that weren't that good or it was a house show and people weren't even paying attention. And then you just randomly play one awesome show where you're just like opening for a band and the fit is right and their fans like you and there's hundreds of people there. Yeah. So those, 
it's you know the highs are just so magnified yeah man um, yeah we had a few of those glorious moments yeah it's awesome and then it kind of carries you to the next one and you exactly. know gets, gets you through those the slumps if they come up and yeah um yeah so like at that point i, I know your guys are making fans too as you're spreading the yep the gospel of the teeth around yeah. and uh and uh and getting out there and so so then, you know, come back, where, where were you? Like when you would come home, where were you working at the time? Were you at the fire at yes, that point? Correct. Ah, yes. Okay. Back then I was working the door at the fire, working the door yeah. at rock shows. Yes. So I was living the lifestyle. You were, it was playing a rock show or, or working at a rock show. Right. I remember, um, um I remember talking to my uncle after graduating college and he was asking me like what I'm doing with my life. And I was, telling him about the band a little bit. And I was like, yeah, for money, I, I work at a rock club. And he was like, oh, so you're just doing drugs, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's funny because it's actually not probably as bad as he thinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was just like, really, dude? <laughs> it's a good just reminder dude. that I, I was kind of living a fringe lifestyle for sure. Right, right. Yeah, it's like what we kind of take for. And, and honestly, for you, probably at the time, it was like, I've got a job. I mean, I'm working. I'm actually yeah. working, and like yeah. it's. I felt the same way. It's like, no, that's a, it's a job. It's like we're right. we're working. Um, and when the fire is great too. I just I love that venue. We I played there quite a bit. You guys, I know Teeth played there quite a bit. Um, just a yeah. fun, good vibe, and you know, great little like venue. Absolutely, very yeah. uh, scrappy room, um, where yep. everyone got a chance. So yes, a lot of bands kind of got their start there. Yeah, um, it was a place where you always had an opportunity to play. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Derek Dorsey. I haven't seen mm -hmm. you in a long time, but he's a very, very sweet man. Yeah, sweet big part of the, the Philly music scene during that time. Yeah, totally. Super supportive. And uh, yeah, really owe a lot of, a lot of goodness for him. Um, and then like, so uh, Carry the Woods out. And then when was You're My Lover Now coming out? Was that... Uh, that came out, I'm going to say February of 2007 or oh, actually okay. I, I, I think April, I mean, it doesn't matter, but yeah, yeah. early 2007 is when it came out. Yeah. Basically we got home from touring all summer in 2005 and started working on that record. Yeah. Um, and it took, took a long time. It took almost a year from beginning to end. It um, shows, it shows. <laughs> Yeah, there's like um, that record is is great. We're gonna listen. Let's listen to something from that. How about how about we do that? Um, I know you got a nice one. You like something on here that we're uh, wait. Where is it? Um, yeah, I I listened to this all the way through for the first time in at least ten years from the uh, reissue. Yeah, well, because of the reissue, I didn't yeah. even actually get my vinyl copy, which I think somebody has it. Dude, um, but just because got... it came out, I pulled it up on Spotify. That's how I listen to my own band's music. Oh my gosh, my uh, partner Amanda got got one, so we've, uh, nice. we've been listening to it. It's been very fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little track from that. We'll do a couple as we're going here. Awesome. But...
just as slowly as I could. Grand and pop looked older, but their suits looked very good. The waiter passed out noisemakers, I was blowing a kazoo. And the bridesmaid popped a loop. And she gave one to me. Dude. I remember seeing that one live, you guys doing that at um, some like club in Philly. I don't know how long it was there for, but uh, I don't think it was there very long, but it was like uh, went into like from that went into some uh, the Bob Dylan song that was like, um, oh, God, what is that? Uh, spin hotel Rio with the little man in there. <laughs> Jesus, oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's that's God. how I would do it too. I, I can't try. <laughs> I'm trying to correct you, and I, I can't remember either. It's, uh, oh, no, right in the no, mobile no. with the van. <laughs> It's embarrassing. It's super embarrassing, but you know what? I'm not even going to edit that. That's you can keep it in. Yeah, I keep that in. My embarrassing Bob Dylan. Um, Yeah, that was when I first heard that. I think before he had recorded it. Um, Yeah, and so you guys worked on that one for a while. It's fantastic, and like we were saying, there's a reissue um, that came out on vinyl that is phenomenal Mm -hmm. that everybody should get. And because uh, it has Carry the Wood and You're My Lover Now. Right. It's, uh, it's all of both of those records plus a little bit more. Yeah. It's so awesome. There's even some uh, Chris Giordani drumming on the, oh. on the reissue. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Rad. Cool. Uh, extra extras. Um, yeah. And so that at that point, where, sorry, you recorded that one. Where was that one recorded then? You're my, you're my lover now. Um, we recorded that at a place. It had a name, but I don't remember it, and it doesn't really matter. It was a big warehouse space um, in Port Richmond. Um, yeah. And uh, it was like third floor of a big old industrial building. And you can kind of hear it on the record, too. It sounds like it was recorded in a big room. There's there's natural reverb. Yes. Um, it's, yeah. it's really different aesthetic than uh carry the wood and there was a uh there was a skateboard half pipe in there oh. it was big enough that we had a very big recording space and then there was a skateboard half pipe oh my God. and uh it was it was uh the band walker lundy it was their space and they would kind of share it and or rent it with other with other bands so we recorded uh, for a long, long time in there. We, we, there was a lot of stops and starts with that record. It was, it was one of those things where we scrapped a lot. Were you um, recording on your own? Like, we, did you have a producer for that? or We like... did. So Nick Krill was around for a bunch of that, but I think that was in the beginning. Okay. And then we just, it was just taking too long and we just couldn't, we couldn't keep his services for as long as we wanted to work on it, I guess. You, didn't, um, you couldn't render his service. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Rendering. So I do it. remember that he, he set us up a lot. So it's like one of those things where you might even say he engineered the record because he got us rolling yeah. with the techniques that we used. Yeah. And basically taught us how to use Pro Tools and things like that. Okay. Um, but we would set up 90% of what's on the record are sessions that we set up ourselves, like including miking and all that stuff. Um, and that's why there was a lot of trial and error yeah. uh, with that. Uh, it's, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that. And then were you also 
um, you know, just kind of getting a little window into the writing process was, was, was everyone writing together? Or was it kind of like, you know, just come fully formed with the songs was, you know, Aaron or Peter, I know they were primarily, you know, writing the, the brothers. Yeah. So um, Aaron and Peter were definitely the songwriters. Um, and what that meant in the teeth is that they would come with basically chord progression, uh, melody, and lyrics. You know, of course, lyrics sometimes would come later, but th those were almost entirely uh, from the songwriter. Um, what we would do as a band, though, is arrangement. Yeah. So once in a while during arrangement, somebody might suggest a different chord to go to. Um, but more, more often, the arrangement was just like um, the structure of the song usually was not predetermined. And yeah. we would work a lot on that. So we worked really hard as a band um, arranging stuff. That was all four of us in the room trying things over and over. Um, most songs, I would say it would probably would take an average of five practices to get a song to the point where it was ready to even be played live. Wow. And, and then it would evolve, uh, you know, in more minor ways from there. Um, you know so arrangement-wise, we all had a lot of say. And, and sometimes I would say that Peter and Aaron had an idea of the drum beat that they wanted. So they would even kind of tell me the gist of what my part should be. Um, but we did so much trial and error that whether it was them or whether it was what I tried first, you know, more than half the time in the end result would be something different. Yeah. It's like kind of a soup where nobody knows uh, who did what. But the songwriting was, was definitely, um, you know, the domain of the, the one songwriter. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Gosh. The um the rockers on here, you know, there there's just some good rockers and yeah. and a good variety of um of songs. So here I'm going to pull up this one here cuz uh well here, let me do something. Um Yeah, baby. Let's just jump in a little to this. This is the title track. You're my lover now. Oh yeah. That's probably my favorite one off the record. Oh, uh, well, yeah. 
I, I get like, um, wow, I didn't think I'd get so emotional just listening. It's like I, I've listened to the teeth many times over these years, but it's, uh, I'm also just right now, I'm just really sad that it's the teeth aren't around anymore. So just cutting ahead oh. to like, <laughs> you know, wow. Um, I know a lot of people feel that way. Um, <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah. It's yeah. been a long time, you know, so it's like uh, I used to hear that a lot and uh, I can't say it didn't inflate my ego. Yeah. Um, in a nice way. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah. these days, yeah, it's been long enough where uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people alive now that have no idea that we ever existed. So. Well, we're going to have to change that. And um, I mean, part of my mission is to change that is like, how can we get people to know um, who the teeth were and um yeah yeah it's like the, the the fan base i would you say that you know the fan base that was there it, it was rabid were they foaming at the mouth or you know because there's fans there's different bands have a, a different kind of fan base and you know i know dr dogs you know I, I get a sense of their fan base from just you know being around them for so long and like i mm-hmm. kind of understand it you know as opposed to like um oh gosh who's like Oh, I'll pick their arch nemesis, Dawes. You know, you get like a <laughs> Dawes fan base. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, we're, you know, there's, that's... Yeah, like there's no rabid Dawes fans. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it I mean, maybe like... there is, but it's not right. like, you know... No, I, I think I agree with you. You know what I mean? So yes. how uh, how was it with the teeth? You know, I feel like there were rabid. Yeah, yeah the fans were, were uh, rabid. Um, yeah. The music was very emotional. Yes. Um, and, you know, angsty. And um, I think people connected with that a lot. Um, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people really connected with the lyrics. Um, so I, I think people really, um, I think when people got into the teeth, they really connected with it. Um, yeah. I, sure, I'm sure there were uh, casual fans as well. But yeah, I would say that um, the fans were fairly rabid. A sort yeah. of interesting way that that would play out um, is that, you know, when we went on tour, we didn't have like a fan base in every city. Yeah. I mean, we never got to the point where we were headlining our own national tours. Um, but we would, in most cities, we would have at least like five or six fans. Yes. Right? So that's like, you know, people yeah. knew the band and those yeah. five or six fans, like they'd be at the show. Right. So it might be a small show, but there would be like five or six people there that were like pumped. Yes. That we were there. Um, yeah. And we had a couple of cities where we actually built it to the point where we did have strong uh, showings outside of Philly. Like wh- which cities? Well, aside from New York, which we ended up doing real well in New York. Um, yeah. Aside from New York, we had uh, New Orleans. Oh. Um, that was mainly because of the Park the Van Records connection. Park the Van Records sort of yeah. was born in New Orleans. Yes. <clears throat> and they were able to help us kind of build that town. Yeah. Um, Austin, Texas was another strong spot for us. Yeah. Obviously, you know, a good music town. Yeah. And I'd say Tucson. I'd say Tucson had it yeah. just because there was at least totally. people that were, you were, you were known here. And that's um, right. And so you were, so you had your fan base that was kind of like, you know, they were out there. And then how, I feel like you did, correct me if I'm wrong, how many tours did you do with Dr. Dog once they started to kind of get rolling, you know, because they kind of hit this, yeah. after some of the My Morning Jacket um, tours, then it was like, you know, they're, they just got up there. And uh... I think we did three tours with Dr. Dog. Okay. One of them was kind of short. So, you know, two to three. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, but we did two ex- sort of extended tours that lasted at least three weeks or so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was that was pretty big for us. That would have been so that was in 2007 touring uh, sort of in support of You're My Lover Now. Yes. And um, it was also we went out on tour with Dr. Dog on their first headlining tour. Wow. So they're coming off of supporting My Morning Jacket and having some other big opening slots. And now they were putting out uh, We All Belong was the name of that record. They put that record out and they were doing their first headlining tour. So it was really exciting to see them drawing, you know, a few hundred people in in these cities um, that, you know, that they had built their own fan base. Yeah. Um, And we definitely kind of looked at them as like, cool, that's like one to two steps away from where we're at. That's where we would like to be. And if we keep pounding the pavement, then in a couple of years, you know, we'll have headlining tours. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I remember going out um, from Tucson. I took a trip out to uh, San Diego and we saw you guys at Casbah or forced my way to play Bessie on stage with you guys. But the that was awesome because it was just like that. I think that was a Dr. Dog headlining. That was the one probably. And then you guys were right, you know, like opening for them and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, a big room, you know, I mean, big enough filled uh, with folks that were just seeing this. And I remember being so stoked that like, oh my gosh, they're like, look at everyone's out here to see these, uh, these great bands, you know? Yeah. That, super that exciting. Super proud of and um, super fun. Super, super. <laughs> it's, it was great. And um, yeah, and then at that point, you know, so here's another thing you guys did, which I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're still doing them, but they, uh, the Day Trotter. Do you remember doing that? Yeah, we actually did two Day Trotter sessions. You did? Yes, it's kind of um, kind of interesting because one was at the very beginning of all our touring in 2007. Okay. And one was December 2007. So we spent, like, we did many tours in 2007 yeah we like we did the loop of the country twice plus lots of one-offs oh my gosh and like like four or five day runs so it's um i feel like i can hear the difference in playing even although they're obviously four different songs each time yeah but uh but i can i feel like we got tighter through that year and you can hear it in the later sessions i'm gonna gonna hit a little bit of this one just just give us a sample That might be another one of my faves there. I love that song yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one for the uh, Day Trotter session too because the live vibe is pretty different than the, yes. um, than the album. Yes, cut. totally. 
Yeah, I like that. That's I, I really enjoyed that too with the teeth. You know, you'd you'd hear some of the recorded version and then the live version, and you'd, yeah, I love when bands would do that because you get like a different um, experience. You know, you have yeah. to you can have the studio quality uh, vibe that you know is arrangements on that, and then doing it live and just getting like a different feel. So um, yeah, they're they're two different mediums. You know, yeah. and I, I feel like if you're doing it the same in both realms, then you must not be maximizing the potential of one of those realms, right? Yeah, I love it. I, th I well said, yes. Yeah. Um, so you guys, uh, you, you hit it pretty hard there. I mean, this is like, you were in for, we're saying 2000, the band 2004. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, what ha so what happened? Okay. <laughs> oh, shoot. Is it time? <laughs> it's time we have hit that moment. Alrighty. Um, we're um, from our sponsor here. We'll, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's actually, um, yeah. So we've built up perfectly because all the touring through 2007 kind of took its toll. Yes. Um, as it you, does. Know, you, you can sort of just like aggregate a thousand stories of other bands that you've heard the same tale from Yeah. and, uh, throw in, uh, a pair of, uh, twins. Ugh. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so it was, it was tough and it was still tough touring is the thing. Um, even though the shows were better in 2007 because we were doing a lot of opening um, for bands other than Dr. Dog. And, um, and even some of the headlining stuff that we were doing was better. So the shows were better, but the lifestyle wasn't necessarily better. Um, still just touring in a van, obviously, but um, also still just crashing with people. So, um, and the novelty value of that had worn off a little bit. And yeah. I would say, you know, for some members more than others, uh, you know, some people um, are just, um, you know, more into sleeping on floors or whatever. And for others, it's the necessary evil, um, you know, and when you keep doing it over and over, then you start to wonder how necessary it is. Mm. Um, so all of that in 2007, just it, it definitely by the end of 2007, we were not where we had hoped to be uh, at the beginning of 2007. Um, yeah even though I look back on it as a great year. And so going into 2008, um, sort of with that energy, um, start, you know, we have to start thinking about, okay, let's make our next record. And it just didn't, I feel like that never got off the ground. Um, and we went on a tour in 2008, where we were opening for a band um, that uh, we didn't care for, frankly, they were very nice people. Who's that? Um, I, don't, uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody would care if, uh, if I said that they were called, I want to say the honorary title. Okay. Um, they, again, they were very nice people. Um, yeah. It just wasn't the right, it wasn't the right um, fit for our yeah, band. That's and fine. I'm sorry if the yeah. songwriter is listening. I highly doubt that he is. Um, it, but it, it was yeah. just, just not it, it was fit. hard after all of 2007. I think we had just gotten a really uh, a more high profile booking agent who booked mm -hmm. us that tour. And it was just kind of like, man, like we, we thought we had taken another step forward with this agent and this is what we got out of it. Yeah. Um, and that tour on the back of everything else, it, it kind of just broke, it broke the band. Um, yeah. And, and I, I remember actually after the very first show of that tour, um, sitting in the van thinking that we might be uh breaking up wow um I, i'll say that uh aaron in particular was just not happy with um 
with being there. Um, that's just not like he did not want to be in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, opening for a band that he didn't like, um, yeah. you know, at, 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 a, you know, super scrappy rock club and then going to crash on someone's floor again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember having a very civil conversation where I was like, I think we might be driving home tonight so that we never play music again. Wow. Um, and we woke up the next morning and we decided to keep going on the tour. Yeah. So, uh, but it was not, um, it, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good energy. And um, we, so we're the opening band on that tour was a band called the Dead Trees, who are super cool. And we made friends with them and stayed friends with them after that. Um, I remember talking to them after the teeth broke up and they were like, we could tell, like they, we, they knew the vibe wasn't right. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the energy that we had in 05 was gone. Um, yeah. And so, you know, even on that tour, there were some good shows and some good moments, but it just kind of broke us. And yeah. we toured down to South by Southwest. We played South by Southwest in 2008 for the third year in a row. Um, we played probably the greatest show I've ever played in my life um, oh. at the Emo's parking lot. Oh, dude. It was a Park the Van showcase with Dr. Dog and the Spinto Band, a bunch of other cool bands. Um, so we kind of, and we were tight and we were ready. Like we had, we had put together a pretty good show and we had just, you know, played it 20 times in a row. And, um, you know, even that whole South by Southwest experience, you know, just the way that we talked internally, something wasn't right, you know, and, and I, I didn't necessarily think the band was going to break up, but uh, that was our third to last show. Wow. Well, actually we played three more shows after that. Um, and it was basically the last show of that tour in Baltimore. We we're just going to drive home that night. Um, and the show didn't go that well. And, uh, you know, we kind of confronted one another backstage about why the show didn't go that well. And yeah. uh, that's when sort of the explosion happened. Oy. And, uh, you know, it was a little literal explosion of emotion where we just kind of pushed each other, I'll say, mm -hmm. um, to the point where what was being felt was said in a you know rather toxic way but a way that would not allow um you know we weren't going to play music anymore after that happened yeah um so that's kind of uh yeah that was it it was it was it was quite a scene you know i, I don't want to try to um i don't want to glamorize it or anything but <laughs> uh bouncers had to come backstage oh. to to get involved um okay. you know it was it wasn't literally violence against each other but there was enough commotion uh, yeah. that 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 outsiders intervened wow um, and we drove home the four of us drove home together and it was a it was an awkward car ride um, some apologies were made and so it wasn't like we hate each other yeah um, but there was there was no going back and uh we we you know actually Jeez. just to complete the story brian's uh brian got a flat tire on the way home stopped oh. at a rest stop couldn't fix the flat tire we had to get towed the rest of the way back, we all had to sit in the tow truck for the last 45 minutes of the ride oh. to Philly. And it's like, should we tell the tow truck driver what just happened? I mean, obviously not, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah. And so, you know, had to load out the van after that. And I just remember like Aaron jumping in a taxi and being like, see you later. And I just like walked away. And I don't remember how I got home exactly. Oh, um, but that was yeah. kind of it. That yeah. was the end. There wasn't, there was, that was it. There was no final show. There wasn't a Philly show, like nope. a farewell show or anything. Jesus. Nothing. Yeah. And there, there couldn't have been in, in any honesty. 
Right. Um, right. You know, Pete, Peter wrote about it kind of well at the time is, is, you know, said something along the lines of, you know, the teeth was always like an emotional explosion. Mm-hmm. And in the end, the most appropriate way for it to go out was with an explosion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, a um, any kind of final show would have been cynical. Yeah. Uh, it, it wouldn't have been in, in the correct spirit. Yeah. It's so hard, man. You know, the the touring, the lifestyle, it is uh, it's tough. You know, I, I had I've had some exposure to it from my own musical uh, adventures, but it's tough. And um, for some people, it's 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 really hard, you know, and then yeah. just the bands, the story of the bands. And it's I always just remember, like, for the teeth for me, for my view is like, why are they not? hitting this that dr dog level it was so maddening yeah. i mean a lot of us were were in that camp you know and i'm, sh- I'm sure tons of your fans were too but it was just mm-hmm. like why wow it's so frustrating and i know it's like a lot of factors that play you know it's yeah. like you can be the best the best of the best and then you know for whatever reasons just the stars don't align and you know and whatever it's 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 really tough but just like it was always just like oh we just want him to it was kind of this one thing of like there are special secret and like we know <laughs> yeah. and it's like so you know it's always like don't let them don't let the rest of the world but also it was a point of like we know we want the rest of the world to know this this greatness of of this band and its music mm-hmm. and um you know and yeah it's just tough you're in this lifestyle yeah how many times can you just keep doing the circuit and yeah and then on that the times off it's like you know you're just you know what do you do <laughs> yeah and and the lifestyle coming back and trying to piecemeal everything together and like for a job and living and yeah it's it can get hard i, I totally understand yeah. so you know you guys you guys from from that point well was there ever any talk afterwards of um a teeth reunion or like because i know aaron i mean so basically from this I, what what i surmise is right that you peter Brian, you formed Purples. Yes. And that started up. And um, and then Aaron went off. And as far as I know, no music, no no writing. He's focusing no. on his artwork. I don't think he's made much music at all. I, I could be wrong about that. But um, yeah. you know, uh, I, I'm still in touch with Aaron. Yeah. Um, it's certainly not a big part of what he does, unless yeah. it's very secret. Um, yeah, he's an art teacher. Yes. Um, he, yes. he definitely still draws a fair amount i know that he's you know still expresses himself creatively but as far as i know he really hasn't made any music yeah Um, oh (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah aaron please aaron please so yeah that um yeah ne- never it was never like i you know part of me too was like i saw that the reissue was coming the t3 mm-hmm. issue and i'm like maybe maybe they're gonna well to, to answer your question um they're they're um we, we always get offers you know for a t3 union and uh some of them have even been like financially tempting i would mm-hmm. say um yeah so but uh i don't think any of us would ever want to do it for that reason right sure. like sure and I used to say jokingly, you know, um, in the first couple of years after the teeth broke up, I used to say that, you know, if we ever did a reunion, it would only be for the money. Yeah. So, but, I, you know, it was a half joke because I just felt that there would be no, there would be no real 
you know, it couldn't really be done well, mm -hmm. um, or it couldn't be done in the correct spirit. So if you saw us doing it, you would know that we were probably getting paid okay, and that's why. Yeah. Um, you know, so with the reissue and everything, there have been some more serious offers come across just for like a show, like a reunion show. Yeah. Um, and I would say it's not that we don't entertain those offers. So it's it's not that it's um, it's not that we don't talk about them. Yeah. Because um, whoever gets that, I think kind of Peter has gotten the word a couple of times and it's not like he wants to keep that to himself. Yeah. Um, but the, usually the way that he brings it up is like, this probably isn't going to happen. Right. I just want to let you guys know. Um, <laughs> so it's for a variety of reasons that I probably won't get into. Uh, it's sure. just, it would just be a lot. It would be a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't actually, it's not even anything that I wouldn't get into. It's just to do it. Well, there would need to be a ton of practicing to happen for basically one show. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that anybody really has the stomach for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not that it's impossible. It's just kind of a weird, it's a weird thing to try to get off the ground after 12 years, you know, like for I, what exactly. Totally understand, you know, totally get it. Well, we can, we can hope and pray that, um, yeah, yeah we can just ask for that as a little uh, holiday gift to uh, <laughs> the world, but uh, totally understand. So, um you then so purples started after after this this kind of yep. took off and started rolling and um i mean you guys were is 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 it if is like purple still around or is it kind of just like a what's it's a little a, bit of the timeline for this because at right. this point i'm totally like i i've been it's not confusing visiting. yeah it's confusing even for us because basically what <laughs> happened to purples is we just uh we added a fourth member eventually that would be mike quinn Oh, yeah, um, and yeah. then we just morphed the whole band into what we now call Squawk Brothers. Um, and that's a band that makes mostly country music. Yeah. So basically, like, we just, you know, changed the name or made a new entity. I don't know. It's, it's you know, I don't know. Purples is not necessarily off the table, but Purples is more of a rock band. And uh, Squawk Brothers is a uh, is a country band. Yeah, let's, um, let's... And that's the band that's still kind of. We're we're still active. The four of us still make music. Yeah. Here, let's um let's do a little purples. Little purples here. People get to hear the purples. Kind of hear some of the 
the funk now. <laughs> Some of the old influences coming back. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the weirder sort of uh, rhythmic ideas um although you heard it go into the straight part a lot yeah um there but there, there's some some interesting rhythmic stuff that we messed with there yeah um also i think i inadvertently picked possibly the most uh different song from the teeth style yes um on that record on that record there is there's probably some more um songwriting that's more indicative of the stuff peter was writing with the teeth as well yeah yeah it's great stuff you know i mean everything that's happened Thanks. that you've been involved with has been awesome and um and squawk brothers i gotta get into i mean i haven't like um right well we don't have anything out so that's the problem right now right but i've heard um, so much about it i feel it's coming there we yep. go that's a mm-hmm. little sneak peek yep a little peaky for people it's... hopefully 2021 it's coming out that's gonna Been be working it, on man. the record for uh several years now we got a, we got a lot of stuff recorded so um a lot of that's exciting that's really exciting and those i mean you know everyone's so great you know these the players involved here um just saying you know too i mean your drumming's awesome um you know peter's writing his his bass singing's so good brian's guitar vocals i mean harmonies you know and then the harmonies everybody's yeah just doing great like really fun harmonies yeah, yeah. absolutely that was yeah. so we recorded that record with just me peter and brian um, but we subsequently added Mike Quinn, um, yeah. and that that added the possibility of more full harmonies again. Um, yes, certainly something the Teeth are known for is uh, yeah. is harmonies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so good. Um, well, I'm excited to I'm excited to hear that. Uh, and then when it comes out, and what else have you been spending your time with? As far as um, I, I know, I catch you online. You know, you have a lot of for photography. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jonas yeah. takes pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me sound like a uh, some kind of photo- photographer wannabe. Huh? Well, but, but you um, know, it's it's a, do- a great documentation. Just seeing like travels and the, yeah, where you've been right. and yeah, yep. Um, the the last few years, uh, I've been playing drums with Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah. Um, really? So that's been my my main sort of touring project. Yeah. Well, um, so that's something I totally kind of we yeah we didn't we didn't delve into for a moment there with uh, Alec mm-hmm. Alec Ellensworth, yeah. Um, and then you guys were the teeth basically were backing him up out in that was 2010. Okay, we said yeah. that in February. Yeah. You guys came through. Um, Alec from Clap Your Hands say yeah they went on hiatus, and then this group came, which I forget the name of the group was well we weren't even sure at the time he put out a record under his name alec owensworth and he put out one at the same time under the name flashy python that's right it was kind of (laughs) like we were whatever they were billing us as yes it was a weird thing where like sometimes he was like we should be flashy python so people know this is a band Uh uh-huh and but uh the the record that he put out under his own name came out on a label that wanted us to be billed as his name maybe not super interesting but it was a bit confusing it was that's Perhaps is, not the best marketing strategy. It sounds like it. You know, I mean, it's a little confusing, a little confusing, but um, but you guys toured oh. with that. And then I, so I didn't realize that you're now touring with, so Clap Your Hands is back. Yep. Clap Your Hands Say mm-hmm. Yeah is back. And, um, yeah, so after, you, after his uh, side project with us failed uh, in 2010. Well, he it went didn't back to, fail. It's just a successful it, project. Well, but let's not say it failed because that doesn't sound good. It sounds like a stinky we, I mean, we still, I'd still and talk with Alec about how the music we were making was cool. So we both yes. view it as musically a success. Musically, it um, was really good. I remember loving it. You know, it's kind of like a, even like a Tom Waits vibe and at the time. Yeah. 
yeah. it, it was it was very cool um to have peter and brian both making substantial contributions to the music but not being the songwriters at all yeah um you know yeah. myself as well obviously uh and um there was a fifth member in that band called matt sutton who was uh dude really interesting stuff it was, it was just it was really cool um obviously i'm always playing music that uh somebody else wrote yeah. but you know for peter to take on uh, more of a supporting role but, yeah you know be very vocal with his ideas about arrangements and backing vocals was i think it was a big learning thing for all of us um yeah but we just did that one national tour and that was basically it he went back to clap your hands and that's when we started working on purples in earnest gotcha okay yeah that's when purples happened and uh and so now you are you tour with clap your hands yeah so i joined up with alec in uh in 2017 oh cool um you know, he's used a number of drummers over the years and um, it's uh, yeah, but I've done most of the touring since 2017. Um, there are one of the other guys he uses is a, a guy named Pat Berkery, a friend of mine okay, um, who uh, still does some playing with them, but I've done a bunch of touring with them in the last couple of years. How's that? How's that been when you guys go out? What's that like? I mean, totally different, me, right? I mean, for it's... me, it's mostly been great. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I like the music a lot and, um, but it's, it's sort of a way to experience that level that we were talking about that we didn't hit. Yeah. With the teeth. Um, being, you know, playing sold out rooms, yes. um, and, uh, and sleeping in hotels and getting pampered or manager. Yeah. Uh, some it, pampering it, your hands is not a pampering level, you know, uh, you know must... Alex definitely toured in buses before and we're, we're not doing that. We tour in, in a van, Yeah. but, um, but yeah, getting taken care of, you know, yes. just, just having, having the things taken care of, having a relatively comfortable experience so that you really can focus on going out on stage and playing and then yeah. playing 75 to 80 minute shows. Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, trying to punch everyone in the gut for 35 minutes so that they remember you yeah that's right uh, for me it's yeah. been a wonderful experience it's you know um and also it's been my uh window into europe which i hadn't done before dude so that was yeah that's huge for me wow that's how, how long how many times have you gone over um at this point it's almost like seven times because we did a bunch of uh strange like one-off like weekends in europe but um we did three uh, longish European tours between two to five weeks. First nice. tour that I joined on for was five weeks in Europe. Wow. And um, having never really played in Europe, uh, uh, that was huge for me. That was in a, in a very different way. That was like sort of the glory of the early teeth exploration of America. Yes. That was, that was me being able to explore Europe, yeah. but be more comfortable as a 35-year-old, you know, and, and sleep in a bed. By myself, by the way, uh, wow. my own bed in a hotel. Wow, so. you didn't have more more people sleeping. Stinky, didn't even have to share a bed, maybe once, but stinky tour mates all uh, nestled together. Totally, uh, Char Charlie and in the just, Chocolate Factory bed. <laughs> just to bring it around to my uh, my hotel uh, roommate on that tour was Nick Krill, who was playing uh, guitar Ooh. and keyboards. So another reason it was a great experience is I got to um you know bond with nick more having yes. known him for the better part of 20 years to actually play music with him was huge oh, and man. um and the bass player todd irk joined at the same time i did and so we were kind of like new together and we had been friends already and like um so it was just like a really socially a really great situation yeah. alec owensworth's a really uh great guy really fun guy yeah um, 
sort of socially we kind of see eye to eye and then the hang is really good that's nice that's so important um, you know yeah absolutely um and then as far as uh so and then otherwise I, we're in this interesting situation in the world but are you uh you do like do you like to travel anyway just like when you do have time out oh i love to... it that's it's my favorite thing yeah that's you know um so even the touring itself doesn't scratch the itch for me like i i need more yes um and i actually in the last couple of years i was able to uh sometimes piggyback on um music tours and like stay in the place if, if it was a fly date like stay somewhere for an extra week yeah and like have my own vacation with at least the uh the uh, flight expense paid for oh, kind of thing man um yeah well that'll happen again soon oh, gosh i hope so it's yeah. yeah missing that man music and um so here, here's a couple of questions just to end with here as far as uh this is just way this is just off now we're in a different field i want to know what your favorite toy was growing up oh cool um <laughs> all right let's give me a second so i can try to try to do the deep dive let's see favorite toy um i was really into sports when i was a kid yeah but i don't I don't think that's going to be it. Um, outside of some kind of ball, I was really into stuffed animals. And yeah. um, I definitely had a favorite teddy bear. Oh. Um, and, and me and my sister used to play pretend with our stuffed animals. So it wasn't oh. just like a, wasn't like a safety blanket yes. teddy bear. Although I'm think, I think it was that also. But, yeah. you know, we would, uh, you know, some kids play with dolls um, and we would just play with our stuffed animals that way. So probably the it? probably old teddy bear i, was, I believe his yeah. name was teddy probably teddy yeah it was a utilitarian bear yeah he was Could do it all nice and raggedy too just like a teddy bear should be oh they should i love it oh yeah my gosh um what about what was your favorite movie of all time back to the future <laughs> good answer uh, it's, it's not i don't think it's still Correct. my favorite movie of all time but when i was a kid it was my favorite movie i think i'm i yeah I well we're we're in the same um we got the same nice. answer buddy because that's nice. uh that one yeah that was like one of the first ones we got on vhs and it's uh awesome. i remember renting that at the same time as the first vhs rental was back to the future and ghostbusters and nice. it was like i mean and back to the future really too yeah. yeah it's like the... it's kind of like introduced me to the idea of movies in a in a strange way uh, where i yeah. watched it and i was like oh i yeah. really enjoyed that hour and a half of my life yeah um, and then i remember back to the future 2 was one of the first movies i ever saw in a theater yeah yeah I, I, me too yeah because we're, we're similar age so i remember seeing that one and it was awesome yeah. still waiting for the hoverboard which will become my favorite adult toy whenever that comes out ah yes the hoverboard <laughs> classic nostalgia <sighs> Um, well, it's been so awesome talking. What is there anywhere that uh, you want to point people towards? You know, we'll have some links up for for folks to catch. Uh, you know, all the like the where the teeth music is. Purples. We're looking for a Squawk Brothers. Totally. the The teeth music is all over the place. Uh, it's uh, all the teeth stuff is on Spotify. I certainly encourage people to buy it on iTunes. Yeah, um, and get the record. Know, a, get the record release. That's re-release. I'm an out of work music person. Yes. So uh, I actually do see some of the money from iTunes. Yeah, please. We'll get a check for like a hundred bucks or so. So it's like yeah. that, that adds up. Um, yes. The teeth are on all that stuff. Purples as well are on Spotify and iTunes and most of the other stuff. 
Bandcamp. Uh, I want to point people towards Bandcamp because that you get more for the artist. So I just want to really stress that. I'm a huge the last album I just put out with um Scott McMicken was that we I just put it on it's he has on cassette but I just put it on Bandcamp and I'm like this is it, man. I awesome. Just, the other stuff I have a big issue with and Good I, call. I, yeah. I was I was going to forget to plug that, but all the purple stuff is on Bandcamp. And yeah. they occasionally do that thing where like on one day they'll just give all of the proceeds to an artist instead of 50%, yes. right? Yes. Uh, yep. So yeah, you'll see a lot of bands plugging their stuff on those days specifically. Yeah. That's always nice if you want to support artists is to, yeah. uh, to buy stuff on those days. Yeah. Um and even the Squawk Brothers put up a uh, sort of a demo on Bandcamp. Yes. As like a pay what you will kind of situation. Yes. Um, because it's it's not a fully like mixed thing, but it's a preview of what's to come. So Squawk Brothers also has a band camp and just the social medias if you wanted to pay attention yeah, and man. be alerted yeah. when a uh, a record does come out. Yeah. Um, I try to spend as little time on social media as possible. Um, yes. But that's a way to be alerted about certain goings on, including yeah. with the Squawk Brothers. Yeah. And then for, if people want to follow you, are you, um, would you want to point anyone towards that just for, uh, any of those? um, I, I haven't put anything on my social medias since around the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. But I, I am on Facebook, uh, um, Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, I think I'm going to delete my Twitter. So don't follow me on there. Um, don't do that. Don't <laughs> twit it. Don't be Instagram. I just put up, I just put up like pictures of sunsets and mountains like everyone beautiful. else does. So, I mean, if you're into that stuff. <laughs> soothing. We need soothing stuff, right? Facebook, have... I'll occasionally make an announcement if I'm up to anything. Yeah. Um, since there's been a pandemic, I just haven't looked at Facebook. Kind of just put a post be like, I'm about to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I have a blog where I, I write about uh, I write about traveling around and like going to Africa and stuff. So I guess you could read that. I don't What's know. that? What's that one called? It's called Jonas tries this and that, dude. I don't know how to find it. Okay, <laughs> well, let, I'm I gonna ask. If you search for that, that it might come up. I don't I'm know. Gonna, but I'm if gonna. If it doesn't come up, then whatever it does will probably be interesting. I'll hound you to get a link for people when uh, when we have the shows when this is gotcha. up and, and live. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, this Maybe is get a couple more unique visitors to the yes. old blog. The old blogger, yeah, get some bloggers out there. All right, buddy. Well, um, I can't wait to see you again in the future. You know when we can. Absolutely. And, and uh, really stoked. For as soon as this pandemic's over, yes, come back down south, and I'll come through Tucson and see you. Exact mundo. Yeah, you come over here. All, All right. right. This has been great, man. I can't believe yeah. it's over already. Yeah, I know it's wild. I really, uh, I will have to get you back on later on. Uh, down, happy to. down the road. Love talking about me. It's the best. Yes, I love <laughs> it too. I, I love it too. And um, yeah, so th thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Bradford. All right. Great to talk to you. All right, Jonas. Be well. All right. Take care. Now that was something else, wasn't it? Really nice time catching up. Jonas and I have not seen each other now, like we said, probably in like 12 years, over a decade. And uh, that was really nice. That was really nice to catch up with him and, um, and, and just, you know, hear his history, get to know him better. I knew him, but also like, you know, I, I think I knew the other guys a little more, you know, especially before he had joined the band. So, um, it, it was really great, you know, just kind of catching up with him and getting to, uh, to hear his story and just all the connections that are there. It's, it's great. You know, 
I love that. I love when the connections start showing up and we we have that in those things in common. I I definitely learned some fun things about the teeth too that I didn't know about. And um yeah, I mean it when I say I, I really wish they uh they were going to play again, but I, I also understand I want to respect everybody's position in life at the moment and uh I get it, man. Being in bands is can be hard, you know. There's there's a lot of stuff that comes up. It's like a, you know, a family. You have a, it's very intimate relationships there. So um yeah, you know, so I, I want to just say again, we go and find, you know, I'll have links here to all the music. Go and buy their music, please. It's awesome. Um, there's a documentary about them up on YouTube. I put up years ago. I didn't make it, but it's it's up. Some filmmakers made it. It's really great. Check out all the other uh, the links to the the newer projects that they got going on. And um, yeah, I'll be excited to see Jonas when he comes out to Tucson when that can happen in the future. Also, a fun little a fun fact. For those of you that care, uh, Brian from The Teeth and I share the exact same birthday, Groundhog Day, 1980. So that's a little fun trivia. Um, For many years, we would just, you know, send each other a little birthday notes. And uh, I don't know if I've done that a little bit. I think I got to get back on that. So um, anyway, really great talking to Jonas. Thanks a lot, buddy, for being on the show. And to all of you out there in podcast land, take care of yourself. Love this life. Live this love. Another